Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are just a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. What a day, Adam. <laughs> I feel like you could play the last 10 episodes, like sync them up to their clap track, and then like, what a day. Somebody exhaling. Is how, how they're going to start, right? You were chiding me before we got on mic. I was telling you about how I went out to the doctor with my, my infant son. Your infant son, Darone, right? Darone, Canonically yeah. known as Darone. <laughs> Darone was due for a round of vaccines. Uh-huh. I uh, looked at my calendar and the uh, appointment was for today. You noticed Darone was curiously without autism and you, <laughs> you remembered you had to take them in. That's a fun joke, Adam. That's fun. <laughs> That's good stuff. It's a vaccine <laughs> joke, not an autism <laughs> joke. Cut it out. God. <laughs> How about new? So I went out there, I got to the office, and I I had that fun moment where, you know, I pushed the stroller in the front door, and the lady looks up at me, like, expectantly, and I said, hi, uh, this is Darone Harrison uh, <laughs> here for his 11 o'clock, and she said, uh, hmm, what's his date of birth? And I gave her his date of birth. And she said, what was the last name again? I repeated all the vital information mm-hmm. one more time. And she said, yeah, we don't have you until 1.40. And you were there at 11.40? I was there at 11 a, just, just like 11 a.m. Wow. Right on the dot. So someone pushed an extra one. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but I'd not, I had not gotten the like text yeah. You know, that says like reply one to confirm or reply two to cancel. When did we as a society agree that that was okay? Like for every little thing to get a text about it, to confirm. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of prefer it though, because my pharmacy does a thing where they call me and it's like a robocall. Oh, I don't want that. It sounds like a scam every single yeah. time. And somehow I've like, entertained the scam long enough to find out, oh, my medication is ready and I need to go pick it up. <laughs> like, <laughs> one of these days I'm going to be like, nope, scam, hang up. And then, you know, I'm going to like not have my vital daily psychiatric medication. <laughs> I mean, I think I know the answer to this question by now, but have you stopped answering the phone as much as you used to when your wife was deep into pregnancy and there were Miriam doctors trying to get a hold of you and so forth? Yeah, there was definitely a few months in there where a local phone number that I didn't recognize calling needed to be picked up because mm-hmm. it might have been something important. Yeah, And nine times out of ten, it's like a recording of somebody pitching me like life insurance in a language I don't speak yeah. or something. Yeah, But yeah, like the... Uh, the, the text is very much appreciated if they've got to reach out. But uh, yeah, they didn't get me with the text on this trip. And so I'm standing there going, yeah, well, can we reschedule for tomorrow? Because there's no way I can hang around for two hours and 40 minutes. And she said, sure, we have an appointment available tomorrow at like 1030 a.m. Can you make that? And I said, yeah, I can for sure do that. 
and uh, I'm like packing my stuff up and she goes, oh yeah, and that'll just be 50 bucks because you missed your appointment today. And I said, oh really? Because you never sent a confirmation. So how do we know which of us wrote down the wrong time? Aha! That went over like a lead balloon, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was it a bit? It wasn't a bit. It was it was a sincere, like, I don't think that it's really my fault that this happened. I mean, it might be, but we don't know for sure. All I do is call attention to an administrative error, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, well, we can put that down in your file. We can We can mark that. That's threatening. I don't like that at all. Yeah, documenting me does not make me feel put at ease. You mean the file that I don't ever get to see? Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's how my my day went. I drove clean across town to the Miracle Mile. Oh. Got there and was shamed and sent packing $50 poorer. Usually when you come to my neighborhood, uh, the same ends up happening Yeah, yeah. in those instances. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Ben. So you're in a great frame of mind for this. Yeah, and but I turned, I turned it around when I got home because I got to watch some Star Trek. You're always doing pod with one attitude tied behind your back, huh? <laughs> and yet you still bring it every time. I do my best, buddy. You do too. It's what I love about you. Do you want to get into this episode? I mean, a little unclear who made the mistake in this one as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, very elegant segue, Ben. Mm. Let's get all the way inside this one. It's Star Trek Voyager Season 5, Episode 4, In the Flesh. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. (laughs) In our cold open, we see a familiar face, Ben. We do. A familiar wrinkly face. Oh, how is old Boothby? It's a face that uh, I feel like it would be hard to make this case in TNG, maybe slightly easier in Deep Space Nine, but now here in Voyager, we can say definitively that if you're a cadet at the Academy and Boothby befriends you, you can basically write your own ticket. You have got a captain seat locked down. Like, yeah. you might spend a few years mucking about in some of the lower ranks, but you are headed for the chair. Headed for the chair? That sounds bad. <laughs> Do you ever stop to think about, like, the dark secret of why Boothby's gardens are so beautiful and kept? Mm. Is it the legion of academy slaves he has sucking up to him (laughs) in order to get in his good graces just off camera but he was bringing roses to janeway in her dorm room hey boothby how about pick an age-appropriate girl to bring roses to more like groomby (laughs) and what's going on here seems pretty pervy doesn't it how about you find an age-appropriate ensign there yeah. Boothby, I know we've seen him in early season Star Trek The Next Generation. They're out there. <laughs> oh, they're out there. They're they're the final frontier, Boothby. Yeah. Oh. Instead, uh, Boothby's just hanging around. We get uh, Admiral Bullock, sort of hard to separate what Bullock is doing with these people walking around the grounds of Starfleet HQ from uh, just like what a char- like an NPC does at the beginning of Star Trek Online or equivalent. Boy, you said it. Feels a lot like that. 
telling people what they're going to be up to at uh, at Starfleet HQ. And then we see this whole scene from the vantage point of some kind of surveillance device. Hey, Chakotay. How's the peeping? <laughs> How's the peeping, Chakotay? Great. He's long lensing these guys with uh, like a viewfinder style long lens camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to tell whether he's... Uh, surveilling or just a tourist, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, kind of interesting to see Chicote with his feet on planet Earth. Yeah, maybe this is his hollow sweet program, right? Maybe so, yeah. Maybe this is how he likes to relax. He whips it out, starts jacking it. <laughs> yeah. It's hot! He, he, the only way he can uh, climax is into koi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so nasty when they cut to the close-up of the surface of the water and all the fish bobbing to- they just go nuts, right? To nibble at the little <laughs> particles. Yeah. After the theme, Boothby chats up Chakotay, who is using a tricorder to scan some bamboo that's nearby. But what's weird is that the bamboo is throwing him maples readings yeah. and not bamboo readings. And, and Ray Walston's like, you got to go take that tricorder to the tricorder garage- Get that thing fixed. I'll walk you. I love the idea that Boothby is so famous that even Chicote has heard of him, Adam. Yeah. I should hope so. I've been tending these grounds for 54 years. He's the stuff of legend. Yeah. He's like asking Chicote like what brings him to Earth, and Chicote's telling him some uh, some lies about having been posted on the Intrepid patrolling the neutral zone. I guess that's like because the. Voyager is an intrepid class, so if Boothby has like follow-up questions about gel packs or whatever, mm-hmm. Chicote would be well positioned to answer, right? Yeah, there's kind of a pattern to their conversation, right? Boothby's like, "I thought you were fill in the blank," and Chicote is like, "Well, actually, you're wrong because blank." Yeah, yeah. And this goes back and forth a couple of times. Why, you know, like, why does Boothby know where the Intrepid is? If it's at the neutral zone, shouldn't it be too sensitive of information for the groundskeeper to know? I don't know. He's just kind of the guy. He's he's the red from Shawshank. He just knows everything and knows how to get everything. Yeah. So he hands Chicote a rock hammer. I finally got the joke. Sends him on his way to where you get your tricorder service, where you get the chip taken out that misreads bamboo for maple. And uh, instead of heading to whatever, the quartermaster, Chicote heads to a bar. Yeah. Good choice, Chicote. This is a very lobby bar inside a mid-market hotel mm-hmm. kind of look. Kind of a step down. Looks like the kind of place you might uh, get bad news from Commander Starfleet. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Did this look like it might be a redress of 10 forward to you? Hmm. I was trying to, like, it It looked really nice, and it. Uh, I don't know why, like, it just read as 10 forward to me, but the more I looked at it, the less convinced I was that that's what we had here. It didn't look that way to me because it appeared to be tiered to me Yeah. when I looked at it. Chicote makes a weird decision when he walks into this bar. If you ever walk into a bar and see like a a napkin over a drink with a novel in front of it, don't sit down and start drinking that drink and reading that novel. That's a person that has gone to blow a butt or take a pee, right? 
Just to double down on this advice, Ben, <laughs> anyone who takes a book to a bar is not anyone you're going to want to talk to because they're there to read the book. Yeah. yeah. Not to talk to you. Which is not a judgment on the person that wants to talk or the person that wants to read. It's just that they are there for different things. It's a judgment about people who can't read the room. Yeah. Yeah. Or the book. <laughs> if you're illiterate, we are judging you. I never learned to read. I love how Chicote right away goes into alter ego mode because he's caught. Mm -hmm. He's caught by Valerie Archer, who's sipping a Klingon martini, yeah. which I thought would be the sort of cocktail that would come in a novelty glass with like two flutes. <laughs> and you got to drink out of each of them. You got, uh, it's a two-hander, right? Isn't yeah, that yeah. what kind of cocktail it is? <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, blood wine for color, it looks like. Yeah. She's got a pink drink. He introduces himself as Jason Hayek, a descendant of Selma, I assume. Yeah. Why didn't he keep Chicote as a name, though? Like, I'm Jason Chicote. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. Then he doesn't have to remember Jason Hayek. Yeah, yeah. But this, uh, this lady, Valerie Archer, that he's striking up this conversation with, very alluring. Yeah. They have some, some nice repartee. She sure asks a lot of questions. Yeah, a lot. Of, That's what I thought. Everybody at Starfleet Academy today is super questiony, except for when a guy in the corner starts like warping and melting and screaming. And they're like, oh, yeah, that guy's reverting. Whoops. Yeah. You hate to see it. Might have to, you know, retask that guy to do something else with his career. You know, in any social situation, the best thing to do when you're confused about the rules is just act as if you understand the rules. Mm. And Chakotay does a good job here. He sees no one is freaking out by a guy freaking out. <laughs> and he he just like, he's seen this before, even though he hasn't. Yeah. He has to act that way anyway. Yeah. He, uh, he does uh, check with the bartender about what that guy ordered just to make sure he didn't <laughs> order the same thing. Yeah. It's sort of a when Harry met Sally situation, except right. for reversion. Uh, I'll have the opposite of what he's having. <laughs> <laughs> That's neat. You know, when you go to have a drink at Starfleet HQ at this bar, there's that little sign that hangs over the table. In this spot is where that one character in Star Trek Voyager experienced a reversion. Right. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's fun to get that seat. Valerie goes on about how strange it is to think human to talk human. To sleep human. To date human. What? Yeah. She's like, uh, you know, the uh, reproductive habits of these humans. Very interesting to me. Is that an invitation? I get off duty at 1900 hours. You and I can tell that this is some sort of fraudulent program right away because we've never seen any woman treat us this way, right? There's something suspicious <laughs> about this behavior, Valerie Archer. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't ask Chakotay if the tattoo goes all the way down. Like, that's not a totally unbelievable question for you to be asking. Hey, let me ask you a question. When Tuvok rolls up and Archer live long and prospers him and Tuvok does nothing, do you think that is a great insult 
in the Vulcan community? It's got to be, right? Oh. He totally leaves her hanging. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit like lisping your pronunciation of a Spanish city suddenly when you are speaking to someone you know to be from Spain. Right. Like, hey, kind of, uh, it kind of feels weird when you do it, (laughs) Valerie. Oh, you think Tuvok has a problem with Valerie doing it, is what you're saying. Yeah, that was my read. I see. Of course, it's locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully, because I'm only going to say this once. This has all the feeling of a wingman saving their wingman from (laughs) a bad date situation. And while they walk away, Chakotay catches Tuvok up about what he's learned. And what he's learned is that this whole scene is some sort of training ground. Yeah. Tuvok was like, hey, like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be talking to these people. And I was like, Tuvok, who do you think is boss here? You're literally talking to your commanding officer and, and like second guessing choices he's making on the mission. And also, what do you think recon is? Yeah. If you can get information through conversation... Why wouldn't you? And Chakotay has learned a ton. He's learned that these are aliens posing as humans, trying to get a sense of what it's like to be humans. And Tuvok's like, fine, but we're late. We got to get back to the transporter coordinates. And so they walk outside and they're kind of quick stepping toward wherever they're supposed to be when an ensign with a dust buster comes and stops them for being unauthorized personnel in a special part of the compound that they're not allowed to be in. How delighted were you that in the very same month, The Greatest Generation has dropped a special episode from behind the paywall about gremlins into the main feed. There we get Billy from Gremlins. Whoa, that's Billy from Gremlins? In a Starfleet uniform in an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Pretty neat, huh? Wow, I didn't even realize that was Billy from Gremlins. Zach Galligan. Wow. In the flesh. Good for you, Zach Galligan. Yeah, he's great. Do you think that this is a cameo by a famous or like a, uh, I need the work, I will take a Voyager episode, even though it's not that big a part? I don't know, but I was looking around for Dick Miller's after this. You think uh, <laughs> you think Boothby couldn't use a little help from a Kentucky harvester from time to time? Boothby wouldn't get down with somebody that's as uh, xenophobic <laughs> as Dick Miller. <laughs> Dick Miller's character from Gremlins. Dick, Mil- Dick Miller's character. We know nothing about the the politics of Dick Miller actual. <laughs> yeah. Uh, big fun to see Zach Galligan in this. Yeah. I mean, you can tell that Dick Miller is a great actor because he delivers all those horribly racist lines without going, <laughs> Anyway, Billy from Gremlins <laughs> sticks him up with a dustbuster and... Is like, you got to come with me, guys. You're in a place you're not supposed to be. This is for captains only. And uh, Chakotay and Tuvok are like, all right, you got us. Take us where you need us to go. And as soon as Billy turns his back, Tuvok nerf pinches him down. And then they beam the three of them up. I really wanted somebody to ask Chakotay, what's with your pips? Why is it one big pip and not three little pips? What does that mean? They did that to keep the Maquis separate looking, but I think it's time to pip the Maquis, right? Like, how long do you have to work on Voyager yeah. to get your pips back? It's it, At this point, it's feeling like, a, you know, like an arm badge that distinguishes you, like, ethnically or something. You know, we haven't talked about this yet, but I think it's past time to do it, Ben. 
I don't think it's cool they have to use separate replicators. Yeah, I think it's bad. I think it's bad that they have to use separate sonic showers. Yeah. I think it's bad that they're not allowed in the swimming pool. <laughs> to cut, cut that out. How about new? It's an ugly truth that has gone uninterrogated for far too long on this show. Back on the Delta Flyer, the three have beamed aboard, and the appearance of Billy from Gremlins inspires a lot of questions. Yeah. And the answers to those questions are shocking. Yeah, we see a little space station when they zoom out of here. Yeah, because you think they're, they came from a planet or whatever. Yeah. This is a really big moment. Big moment to commercial. And when we come back, uh, Billy wakes up on a bio bed in Six Bay. Billy! And across the room are Janeway and the doctor and Chakotay and a bunch of other people. I'm really having a tough time keeping track of what's going on with Janeway's hair at this point in the season. I am too. I thought they were going to have this thing nailed down in the first couple of episodes, but here we are in episode four and the volume is just all over the place. The bounce also everywhere. The, the bounce is absolutely off the charts in this episode. Yeah. I mean, normally, look, I love the amount of bounce, but stick with the bounce. Don't just go all willy nilly. If you're going to go bounce, commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. I had hair that was this bouncy once. And it gets all in your face all the time. Gets in your mouth when you sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When are we going to see Janeway in a ponytail? I don't know. That'd be nice. Rockin' pony. She starts asking Billy from Gremlins questions, and he starts doing that military thing. From Gremlins, Billy, Starfleet Service number 696969. <laughs> you know. And Billy, uh... I work at Kingston Falls Bank. I'm a teller. Uh, they don't give me much to do. Mr. Futterman hates my foreign car. You don't find American machinery doing that. There's an old lady that really wants to kill my dog for some reason. You know what? If you want some answers, ask Mrs. Deagle. Well, now you know what to ask Santa for, don't you? Instead of uh, answering questions, he chomps his uh, cyanide tooth and takes himself out of the uh, equation. He can't be forced to answer questions if he's dead. <laughs> I was so bummed when he dies here because I just wanted more Zach Galligan. I wanted him for the whole episode. It would have been nice. We just get him for a quarter of it. I know. He's barely there. Yeah. It's a good death scene though, right? Like if you're, mm -hmm. you know, reading for this part and you see that you get to have a really good, like super intense death scene. Don't touch me. Disease. Humans. Yeah, that's what you do it for. That rules. Yeah. Later on, Chakotay shows Janeway, Tuvok, and, and Seven pictures from his vacation. <laughs> and they are as bored as they are impressed by the kind of granularity of like trivial accuracy in this recreation. Like, yeah. like they're just totally blown away by this. Was there anything you didn't take a picture of? <laughs> He's like show, showing them how he shat out his buffet meals and stuff. You should really hold the camera like this so your finger isn't in every photo you take. <laughs> <laughs> 
I I don't know if you noticed the ensign that Boothby had take a picture of Chicotay and him, like totally put a finger across the lens when she, <laughs> when she took the camera, and I wondered if that was a choice that that actress made because it was really funny to me. There was something about how that sequence was edited that made me expect Chakotay was going to look down at the picture and Boothby wasn't going to be there or there was going to be something fucked up about the photo after the fact oh, yeah, yeah. That, that we never got. And so I no. was expecting something that never happened in a, in a weird way. Yeah, we actually see the picture of Chakotay and Boothby like arm in arm like, hey, we met up in San Francisco on vacation. Do you think experiencing a holodeck all the time would sort of ruin how impressive something like this is for the crew because they are suitably impressed, but I think they're more impressed by the trivia than they are about just how how lifelike everything is. Uh, They think it's just like a deep fake. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The first question they want to answer is how. Right. How did they do this and not who did it or why? And Seven has answers pretty much right away about that. Yeah. This is partly like built in actuality, partly holodeck technology. There's like intense power generation happening. Mm -hmm. And that's like how they get to like the, the question of like, so it seems like this is like a training ground, some kind of like infiltrate Starfleet simulation that's running at all times. So what's the point? In any training ground, mission, Chicote has to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You need my help to nullify the nemesis. There's nothing Vori-like about this, though. No, he, he's got a glimpse it in person. Yeah. They can't get very far down the road of who would want to do this and why before the doc radios Janeway about this post-mortem that he's done on Billy from Gremlins. And so... He's like, Captain, I just did a Y incision, and that shit was fucked up! They cut open Billy from Gremlins, and it's Phoebe Cates' dad dressed as Santa Claus, dead inside. <laughs> oh, so sad. You, you really understand why she has a problem with Christmas, <laughs> based on that. So he's like, yeah, I've, I've scanned this guy's genome, and you know it's human from the 30,000-foot view, but it's very clear that it's been altered in some way, and I... Don't know what it's going to do, but I can trigger a reversion by, like, injecting him with this hypo spray. And the captain's like, go ahead. Do it. And he does it, and then they both have to, like, take two big steps back because Species 42069 is way bigger than Billy from Gremlins. I think we're going to need a bigger bag. <laughs> yeah. A very... Bad 90s morph effect. I love how they get to dangle this guy off the side. It's great. Yeah, and it like pushes the weird, uncomfortable-looking biobed pillow off the edge yeah. as it expands. Yeah. <laughs> they have a very uncomfortable McLaughlin group. Issue one. Where they... Interrogate the main question. Why is the species doing this? To infiltrate the Alpha Quadrant? Why would they want to do that? Why wouldn't they just send nubbins? Yeah. Chicote's like, you know, I do have a standing date on that station that I could maybe manipulate to our own purposes. Maybe I should go on that date. And Janeway's like, fine, as long as you bring the ship's two best dick men with you as backup. <laughs> and she sends Paris and Kim 
on the mission with him. Just be home before midnight. Yes, ma'am. She can't risk Valerie getting a bathtub built for her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I know it's been impossible for you to close the deal with me for many seasons. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to keep you just about at arm's length. Yeah. Janeway sees this moment as high stakes as it gets. And I was a little bit surprised by the intensity pivot that this meeting takes, right? Because it seems kind of fun and funny that Chakotay is going to go out on a date and find out a little more about this plan. But Janeway is like, nothing has ever been more important than this moment. (laughs) (laughs) And you cut over to Chakotay and he's like, it's just a date. (laughs) And Janeway is like, no. There's coffee in that last defense against an all-out invasion of Earth. Yeah, she is like doing this like grandiloquent captain speech about how Starfleet Command would be totally defenseless against Species 4 2069. And it cuts back to Chakotay with his jaw just hanging open and the condom that he was putting into his wallet like only half inserted. Yeah, you cut down to his hand putting in the condom into his wallet and he like breaks it in half. <laughs> Yes, I won't be needing that. <laughs> so uh, in the ass lab, Chakotay, I guess, is preparing for his date, trying to pick a restaurant to take Valerie to in simulated San Francisco. And Janeway's like, oh, my days at the Academy. I remember the last time I was there. Do you remember the last time you were there? What was the specific date and time? <laughs> Do you remember your parents' names? Chicote, I sure do. You first. <laughs> At first, I thought this was like, Janeway, why are you being such a dick to Chicote? Like, you know, the last time he was at Starfleet HQ, it wasn't great. Like, yeah. he, he put his comm badge and his gun on the table and resigned. Like, why are you bringing that up again? But then it's clear exactly what Janeway's doing here. She's trying to out him as a doppelganger. Right. Yeah. She's asking him what color the boathouse was at Starfleet Academy because she didn't think he had what it was going to take to do this job. Is your favorite part of eating Chinese food the chopsticks? (laughs) (laughs) Then the camera pans down and he snaps a chopstick. (laughs) (laughs) Chakotay is sort of uh, delighted by this. You could have just asked me to report to sickbay. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're like trying to make sure that I am who I claim to be. This is a, am I a founder kind of line of questioning. That's fun. You know, if only you knew me a little better, this could uh, go a lot deeper than the superficial. I had so much fun watching the scene, like going like, I can't believe Janeway would risk Asking these questions when she's in a room alone with him, and then the second the doors open, it is revealed that she's got a detail with her right outside. It's great. Great reveal. (laughs) And like, as delighted as Chakotay was inside the ass lab, when he walks out, he's like, oh, this is great. I love this perp walk. Perp walk me all the way to Six Bay, where he's escorted to the front of the line. Yeah. Because the entire ship is being checked. They're doing that thing from the thing where they have to like, Apply fire to everybody's blood. Yeah. Make sure they're all real. It's intense. Because like, where did Species 4 2069 get the information to make the simulation? Yeah. Maybe they snuck someone on board. Fucking Vorik, though, is is back there in line and he's like, um, I believe I was here first. 
Yeah. Yeah. No line cutting. <laughs> uh, Vorik, check the pips. <laughs> and he's like, he does not have pips. He has Maquis pips. Maquis? Less than pips, huh? And it's like, ee, and, and everybody in the room gets like super uncomfortable because Vorik said the quiet part out loud. Oh, you can't do that, Vorik. Green-blooded Vulcan through and through. On the Delta Flyer en route to the station, Paris, Kim, and Chakotay talk about how exciting it is to be a one-person sexual dustbuster club. You're a true explorer, Chakotay. Is she cute? In her human form, anyway? It's so interesting to see, like, guy talk in Star Trek. I don't feel like this ever happens, like, talking about a girl that you think is cute. This is one of those moments where I wish Kim said a little less because the more he talks, the more he outs himself as not the stick man that we were told he was. Oh, I thought he was just playing games, pretending he's never dated an alien. Yeah, he was almost killed by an alien he was dating yeah. not that long ago. Yeah, me thinks Harry death protests too much. That's fair. But also... Maybe like he doesn't really consider it dating. Maybe he's kind of like one night standing his aliens. Yeah. Mostly. I could see that. As long as you're upfront about that, Harry, I feel like that's okay. We could die at any time. <laughs> In the six bay, seven of nine and the doc are working on her nanoprobe weapon that they used against species 42069 the last time. And this is. A weapon that she is not confident will still work because Species 4 2069 are very clever and very adaptable, and it's been a long time since their last encounter. So she is attempting to kind of zhuzh these nanoprobes up and uh, and make them work better. But the doc is like, you know, like, what's the point? You know, we have plenty of confidence in these in these weapons. But then when they, like, test the probes on the corpse that they still have. You'll find the body in morgue chamber three. Beam it to the surgical bay. It's good that the, like, later part of this episode that's about diplomacy, this part isn't raised. Like, if the species for 2069s were like, hey, by the way, where's the corpse of Billy from Gremlins? Uh, We would like to, like, you know, take that back and give it proper cultural uh, observance and, and, you know, reunite it with its family and whatnot. And they're like, yee, we kind of did some like grisly medical experiments on it after he died. I mean, we dabbled in some light desecration <laughs> I don't, while the body was in our care. I don't think this episode would have ended in quite the happy way it does. <laughs> I thought about this scene a lot because like when they beam the body back onto the way too small for this species bed. Yeah. It like moves a little bit. And the doc has to kind of reassure Seven that, no, like, that's just, uh, you know, like when you fly a body, the corpse will fill with air at altitude and like moan or something. Like, this is just a thing that happens. Like, this this is doctor stuff, Seven. You don't have to worry. And then there's that pregnant pause that you were talking about of like they inject him with the stuff. Yeah. And they wait a while before something finally happens. But visually, like, is there anything about what happens on screen that suggests that things work? There's a color change, but that's about it. Like, I was hoping he would, like, dissolve. Right, right. I feel like the last time they shot nanoprobes at these guys, there was an effect, and that effect was grisly. Because, like, if you're going to desecrate, fucking desecrate, man. <laughs> no half measures. As soon as he desecrated the first corpse... <laughs> 
He went in on the second because what's the difference? <laughs> what voice was that? I think you were doing... Uh, I was doing uh, That's What We Were Trying to Figure Out Guy. Yeah, you were doing, <laughs> you were doing Buffalo Bill when you meant to do Pacino. Yeah. I confused my impressions. Again. What the hell is going on? So Chicote shows up on his date and finds that Boothby has like gotten there early and, and taken a seat. Yikes. Mm. Forgot about the OG stick man yeah. of Starfleet HQ. Yeah. Is there anybody age inappropriate that you won't date, Boothby? <laughs> she was taking some advice from him about accepting a post as a first officer on a Klingon ship. Something Boothby knows a lot about, I guess. Think about what I said, young lady. You will be fine. Well, you know, like he's uh, he's a gardener, so he probably has like gach vermiculture in his compost bin, <laughs> you know, <laughs> out, out behind the restaurant. I've got to get that platinum. Put your platinum where your mouth is. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time and... They send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful. No matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? 
Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben, you and I probably only barely remember this, but back when we were dating other people, mm. the idea of going to a second location with a date, usually pretty good news, right? Yeah, I don't know if I ever dated any other people. <laughs> when Valerie invites Chicote to a second location, and that second location is Ponfar Night at the Vulcan Nightclub, that is like, what is the equivalent? <laughs> Yeah. On a first date. Is that like taking your first date to an eyes wide shut party? Because <laughs> it's something no. like that. Can you dance? I've been accused of trying. My mind was racing here because I was like, okay, this is Species 4 2069 running a simulation. So maybe they like misunderstood something about Ponfar. Yeah. But I understood Ponfar to be a big secret that the Vulcans don't like talking about. So making a night of it at their dance club seems kind of like the opposite of the way they behave traditionally. <laughs> Do you think in the bathroom stalls of the Vulcan nightclub celebrating Ponfar night, there's a finger glory hole? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's tons of finger stuff going on at this event. Yeah. I mean, if Janeway's not careful, a bathtub will be created pretty soon. There's a third location, Adam, on this date. She uh, invites Chakotay up to see her etchings. <laughs> and uh, up to her apartment, he goes. Yeah. Yeah. This seems like it's going to be a good idea until Valerie starts telling Chakotay about her observations on humanity mm-hmm. and then takes a key bump of isomorphic <laughs> molecules. <laughs> and it's like, you want one? And Chakotay's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm straight. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. She's off slamming isomorph in the bathroom when he finds the like 20th anniversary Macintosh from the Seinfeld set <laughs> on her bookshelf. Yeah. And, uh, Downloads a bunch of information from it while she's not looking. And then uh, she comes out and uh, she's dressed in something quite a bit more comfortable than what she was wearing before. Yeah. How do you like the view? Lovely. She walks down the stairs in a robe. She has not caught Chakotay messing with her computer. Mm -hmm. And uh, she lets it slip that in the weeks or days ahead, an invasion's going to begin. Yeah. And Chakotay's anti-war stance here, I think, really rubs her the wrong way. She's like, what are you talking about, man? Like, why did you even take this assignment, if that's how you feel? Once again, I believe that (laughs) our invasion of the Alpha Quadrant is wrong (laughs) under any circumstances. 
why are we doing something that only benefits 1%? (laughs) (laughs) While his politics might rub her the wrong way, the way she wants to be rubbed is with his mouth. Mm, Yeah. I'm no expert at human dating rituals, but I think it's customary to kiss goodnight. (laughs) When she said you can see the entire bay on a night like this, do you think she was referring to herself like B-A-E? Yes. I do think that. And that she was planning on opening her robe up? Yeah, you get a tug open that robe. Looks like a full moon. <laughs> it's weird, like Chakotay goes from a little bit grossed out, but then you like you see it on his face. He's like, any mouth in a storm, right? Right. And he goes on yeah. in there for seconds. That like her pushing him up against the wall and him like relenting to the kiss and then like committing to it moment is really, really intense. For someone who is very in love with Janeway... Chakotay sure does get down on the side. He does. He's getting some fraternization. Yeah. I mean, uh, she's got plenty of volume and bounce as well, you know? He just leaves, which is weird, (laughs) until you see why she's okay with him leaving. After flooding her basement, Valerie proves that he's also flooded her mouth with his saliva. This was a sneaky trick to get a DNA sample, which she immediately scans and discovers he is not an adulterated fake human, but in fact, a human actual. Yeah. So she radios up Boothby and lets him know. Report. I analyzed his DNA. It's a fake. He's a fake species 42069 is what he is. Yeah, he's like Delta 8 species 42069. A real species 42069 would have used tongue. That's what she says. Boothby orders, you know, a hard target search. She suggests that they turn the lights on. And there's a very fun shot where they just like take the day for night filters off of Chicote walking around. I love at, it. At uh, Starfleet HQ. And then it's sort of like a zombie chase. Like nobody's like running super hard at him, but he's like sprinting. And there's like lots of people just kind of like marching after him. I don't think they had a lot of money for effects here because this is the moment that made me recall the moment in Six Bay when they injected that body full of nanoprobes. Yeah. Because Chakotay shoots at someone here, hits them with a phaser loaded with nanoprobes, and nothing happens. Like, that person just gets shot and falls. And I'm like, what was supposed to happen there? Like, I thought this person was supposed to melt or whatever. And when they don't, and when Chakotay stop shooting because there's basically too many people chasing him. That in totality was what suggested to me that like not a big effects budget for this episode. Yeah. And also not a big logic budget because he's like running from them only on the path. And it seems like he's like stuck, not going on the grass. Like, Hey, Chakotay, if you really want to get away from them, like there are options. (laughs) I I wanted the part where he tripped over a rock and fell into the moat. Yeah, yeah, and then they and then they inject him with like a lethal drug because you're not allowed to do that. The koi just go right after his junk. I mean, they've been <laughs> they've been trained. <laughs> they've only been eating one thing: crank attack koi. <laughs> <laughs> they're not spiny. They're horny. Hmm. So Chakotay having been attacked, uh, we cut back to Voyager and Seven of Nine pops into Janeway's office and is like, well, we've used up all of the nanoprobes that we have souping up the weapons. 
you know, modifications complete, but we don't have a ton of uh, ordnance to shoot at these guys. And the captain is fucking pissed. She wants everything to be ready to kill Species 42069 if they get into a battle. She is really, really agitated in this scene. Yeah. Improvise more torpedoes is, I guess, the order. Draw more blood from seven Yeah, is the order. We do get a torpedo count here. They have 19 left. That seems high. I want you to give enough blood where you have to eat two free cookies afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> they get called out onto the bridge because the Delta Flyer radios for the cavalry. They're like, yeah, we've been trying to reach Chakotay. It seems like his date either went great or awful. Like... <laughs> We didn't really agree on a code or anything, so when we lost track of him, I guess it could be either. Yeah. He could be like balls deep in Valerie or balls deep in some koi, and we're not really sure which. We cut back to the station, and it's the lobby bar where Chakotay's been taken prisoner, and uh, Boothby and Valerie talk some light shit at him. A toast to Earth. The longer Chakotay explains how their species met, the more incredulous Valerie and Boothby become. This is a great scene. I really liked it. All Chakotay has to do is tell the truth, and they're like, what the fuck? What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. And Boothby orders a genetic extraction from Chakotay, and this is great. This is something Chakotay has been through a number of times, uh, most notably with Seska. It's probably hard to even find a vein on him to take genetic material at this point. He's just like seeing his future of Valerie getting on a FaceTime three episodes from now and explaining that she's pregnant. Yeah. And it's just like, God fucking damn it, not again. I know you don't want to do it. <laughs> Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. He gives up that there's only one Federation starship in the D-Quad pretty easily. And it becomes clear that Species 42069 are under the impression that they're talking to somebody who's got a fleet on the way and they're really freaked out about the Federation in this way that is pretty incongruent with their like cleanse everything, kill all non-species for 2069 life attitude that we encountered when we first met them. Yeah. It's like they're only getting their news from one channel. <laughs> You tell them that the people that listen to that channel are some of the most low information voters, and it doesn't matter to them. They like it, they only double down. Voyager approaches the station, and Janeway and Seven's blocking, I think, represents Seven's higher standing. Like Seven's job that she's doing used to be Tuvok's job. Tuvok used to shoot the torpedoes. Right. And now it's Seven. Is it Seven's job because they're filled with nanoprobes or because she's the new torpedo shooter? I think it's because they're filled with nanoprobes. They, like Every time Janeway refers to the offensive capabilities of the ship in this episode, it's Borg weapons. Okay. Yeah, but it is weird that like Tuvok is also there just reading information off of a screen and not doing tactics. They should both have to turn their keys, I think. Yeah. Turn your keys, sir. But yeah, definitely Seven is given the kind of wharf position Mm -hmm. on the bridge in this episode. There's a bit of an argument, though, right, about where to shoot these things. Yeah, because Seven wants to take out the power of the station, and Janeway doesn't want to risk 
taking out life support because she is hoping for a diplomatic solution here. It goes by so fast, but like what we know about species 42069 is that they can breathe in space. They can crawl all over your ship and like tear into them. Is the idea that that the genetic modifications to their species make them as weak as humans are? Oh, that's interesting. It it seems that way, right? Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but that must be the logic. Yeah. It's on you to put it together though. Yeah. The Delta Flyer crew come on board. We get a FaceTime between Janeway and Boothby, and uh, they're trading barbs. Enjoying the Delta Quadrant? Don't get sassy with me, young lady. Species 42069, as represented by this kindly old man, (laughs) suddenly seems a lot more reasonable. I mean, at least amenable to a bit of table talk. Yeah. You know, Janeway comes into this with her sabler at a full rattle. You know, she's saying, like, you're, like, essentially trespassing inside our galaxy. You're setting yourself up for an armed conflict. But if you want to explore peaceful options, like, come sit in our McLaughlin group with us. Issue two. And Boothby agrees to that. So they're sitting across from each other at this table. And the more either side talks the clearer it becomes that this is just a misunderstanding, right? Like the facts and the opinions about those facts just don't quite line up. Right. Like the Species 42069 experience of Voyager was these guys showed up with our mortal enemy, the Borgs, and started making life really complicated for us when we were totally kicking the Borgs' ass in this war. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, when we got into their Starfleet database and started seeing all this shit about Prime Directive and, like, respecting the autonomy of other races, we were like, what? (laughs) That's not what these guys do. Yeah. And Janeway is like, well, if someone's going to make the first move of having a little faith, I'm going to be that person. And so she tells Seven to disarm the torpedoes, which kind of brings to an end this Boothbin missile crisis. Our goal is not the victory of might, but the vindication of right. Yeah. This diplomatic conference goes fucking great because they even talk Admiral Bullock down and get him to agree to a trade of technology, which is like Borg nanoprobe technology for DNA modification technology. It seems to be a better deal for species 42069 than it does for Voyager, right? Because by giving them the nanoprobe technology, you're allowing them to study the thing that kills them. Right. And the DNA alteration technology just seems to be like a neat technology trick that they can study, right? I would have liked some idea of what that could be useful for. Agreed. To be elucidated in this episode, because... (laughs) <laughs> we don't have to work with manual loaf anymore. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be tenuous peace at first. They've got to run this up the flagpole over at Species 42069 HQ. So that'll be a thing. Like, Janeway seems like a million percent confident that the uh, people pulling Boothby strings are going to be totally fine with this, though. Yeah. I don't know where she gets that confidence. I admire it. I don't understand it. 
No. Janeway and Seven walk a corridor and discuss the terms. Seven's like, you know, if you followed my plan, this would be a hot war. Yeah. Instead of what you made. So hot. And she gets invited down to the station, and I love how, how Seven has no interest yeah. in diplomacy or seeing what Earth could look like or anything. Totally. No thanks. Nope. Instead, uh, we end on uh, a last little tryst between Chakotay and Valerie. Yeah. I wonder what Valerie's uh, Species 4 2069 name is. <laughs> there was so much about this love affair that like, you've seen in other movies and TV that is like that. Like, so you never told me your real name. And then yeah. it's like, she's like, well, it's something you couldn't pronounce. And he's like, well, whisper it to me. And she does. And his other ear starts leaking blood or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would have been fun. You know. Would have been more fun than the the little kiss. The chaste little kiss at the end of this. Yeah. A kiss that is definitely going to make a half human, half 42069 baby. <laughs> Your quick study. Strap up that mouth, Chicote. Yeah. He takes a rain check on a tour of her fluidic space. <laughs> Just too bad, Chicote. I don't think you're going to get the chance ever again. Yeah. You're going to have to go to the holodeck to experience fluidic space if you want it from now on. And that's it, Ben. That's the end of the episode. How'd you like it? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. I like this one. I, I thought it was a fun bit of storytelling. I liked the kind of weird perspective of like, how do we get to Earth at the beginning? And uh, I thought they did a really nice job with that. And I liked a, a love interest for Chakotay that actually is receptive to his advances. Yeah. How about that? And uh, yeah, I think, um, I think overall, this was a, a real fun one for me. How about you? I'm with you for those reasons, but didn't it also feel like a Twilight Zone episode with the Twilight Zone parts cut out of it a little bit? Yeah. Like the idea of this is presented, but so many elements of what make stories like these fun feel like they're absent, you know? Like right. Valerie's real name or like Chicote making out with Valerie and realizing that she is a disturbing looking alien and like recoiling in horror. I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been your lifelong ambition. It might sound like I'm missing the tropes, but I think <laughs> the tropes are like kind of an essential element to a story like this. And right. without them, it feels like a very basic Star Trek episode for that reason. Sure. So while I liked it a lot, I definitely felt the absence of some things that I tend to enjoy in stories like these. I mean, one thing that I think is just unquestionably enjoyable is Ray Walston and like just hearing his elderly patois is a delight for me like I've said it a bunch like we watch a lot of antenna tv in our household mm. and we get a lot of really bad commercials and there is like the cadence of a commercial about a urinary incontinence product that is like unmistakable. <laughs> and Ray Walston has that just naturally. Good enough for me. And so to hear him 
talk the way he does is just a delight. I love it. I love him. It's really, it's really, really great. Oh, one final question, Ben. Oh, sure. Is Species 42069 also recreating a Borg society for a similar invasion? Oh, that's interesting. I sort of interpreted this episode as being one that was about reshuffling the deck and putting the Borg back up at the top of the bad guy mountain. Yeah, I think that's a great point because that's another aspect of this is like, well, we took a really awesome bad guy off the table again. Cool. Right. Why? But it makes sense if what you're writing toward is the Borg being Mm -hmm. the scariest again. Yeah. And like a thing that's scarier than the Borg that you can always team up with the Borg against, I feel like kind of undermines the Borg as the senselessly terrifying villain that they were originally conceived as. So, you know, if that's what they're headed toward, I'm I'm down. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Don't just take threats away without replacing them with different threats. Right. Well, you want to see if there's any threats in our priority one inbox, Adam? Be scary. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's something that we check for there. <laughs> Could be. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we got a couple of P1s here today. The first is of a personal nature. It's from Greg, Chief Medical Officer, to Ben, Adam, and the Friends of DeSoto. It goes like this. Friends of DeSoto, please help me in celebrating my promotion to major in the Army as a physician assistant. I sent scarves before as a thanks for helping me through my Afghanistan deployment, so I wanted to have everyone help me celebrate this life goal being met. So toast with your fave Picard vintage and insert the drop you guys think works best. Wow, congrats, Greg. Cheers to you, Greg. That's awesome. Yeah. When you're promoted to major, do you have to choose your words pretty carefully? Like, you can't say you got a major promotion. It's just confusing. Right. Yeah. Unless it's a major, major promotion. Which this is. Yeah. For Greg. I think this is pretty major. Yeah. I think so, too. Congratulations, Greg. Yeah, that kicks a ton of ass. Thanks for uh, physician assistanting in what I imagine is a really challenging environment. Yeah, no kidding. Ben, our second priority win message is from Jack. And it is to Ben and Adam. Message goes like this. Great pod, guys. (laughs) That's it? That's it. No requested date preferred. Just a vote of confidence from Jack here. Telling us we're doing all right. Okay. Thanks, Jack. Better than all right. Yeah. Sounds like it. A major compliment, if you ask me. (laughs) Yeah. So this has been a pretty major P1 segment, I would say. I think so. If you'd like to get something major up on the Jumbotron, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Send us a P1 or send a P1 to someone you love or uh, promote something that you got to promote. Or promote your promotion. Yeah. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I did. You know, if you're building a perfect simulation to train your species to infiltrate Starfleet HQ, there are 
jobs like admiral and head groundskeeper that are very important, but they're also kind of menial jobs. And you got to genetically alter species 42069s to even do those. And uh, there was an alien civilian bartender at the officer's club. And I just kept thinking about the like, you know, genetic abattoir horror show scene of that guy getting altered to a non-human, you know, non-major Federation species to just serve as the bartender while other like more highly ranked species 42069s are like (laughs) pretending to be officers and like trying out human drinks and shit and that's your fucking job oh that poor schmuck <laughs> yeah so uh that species for 2069 was my drunk shimoda of this episode is any of this supposed to be like special forces shit like do you think the species 42069s in this space are the bravest mm. the, the best of the best like to get this sort of mission the fluidic berets. Yeah, there's no there's no mention of that, but this is a pretty dangerous mission and a pretty unusual one for their species. Yeah, this could be the like under siege cook, you know, yeah. this this bartender for all we know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. How about you? Did you have a drunk Shimoda? Ben, I've got to make Zach Galligan my Shimoda. I just I love seeing a Gremlins reference pop up whenever and seeing Billy here in a Starfleet uniform reminded me of something fun. So they're going to get my Shimoda. And really, like, if you're Zach Galligan and you get that huge scene in Six Bay, <laughs> like the one where he's pointing around everyone at the room before biting into his tooth, that's a great way to go out. What a great cameo. Yeah. Well, that just about does it for that episode, Adam. But we got to learn a little bit about how we will be doing the next episode of the show. For that, we had to gach.biz slash game, where we keep the game of buttholes. Will of the caretaker. And uh, let me tell you about the episode we'll be doing next. It's uh, season four, episode five, Once Upon a Time. Neelix is caring for Naomi Wildman while her mother is on an away mission. Hmm. Sounds like a pretty chill app. Yeah. Sounds like probably nothing bad happens, right? No. Yeah, I think it's probably fine. So our Delta Flyer is on square one. We uh, we made it all the way to the top of the game board and jumped over that Mornhammered square. Now the whole board is stretched out ahead of us. Sure is. It's exciting. It really is exciting. I'm uh, I'm excited to roll this bone, Adam. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Looks like the one thing we could hit is a Delta Flyer square that would take us up to a His Eyes Uncovered on uh, square 21. That's the Temerian metaphor modification of the show. Everyone loves that one. Yeah, it's very popular. A lot of people crossing their fingers for that. But I have rolled a six, Adam. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Putting our runabout on square seven. Regular old episode next week. I can live with that. That'll be good. All right. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, what's a good gift people can give to a loved one over the holiday season? I think grabbing their new phone that uh, they've just been gifted for the holidays, loading a podcatching app onto that phone, and then downloading 
the latest episode of The Greatest Generation. That's like adding a gift to an already great gift. If you want to hear from a recipient of a phone gift that their phone is broken, <laughs> definitely do that. There's just two nerds yelling about Star Trek in there. I don't get it. Yeah. You know how you can, uh, you can go to a, a smoke shop and get a pre-roll? Mm. Get a phone with a pre-show. I already loaded. Yeah. Huh. You know, some people call that bloatware. I just call it friendship. <laughs> you could also support our show by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. And our gift to you is... Uh, great big pile of bonus episodes there's so many fun bonus episodes behind the paywall that you will enjoy and uh, we really appreciate folks that do that many holiday versions of bonus episodes as well that's true but there's still a few days of the holidays left this moment in time yeah those episodes aren't going to make any sense in a little bit <laughs> yeah you'll fire those up and you'll hear their holiday cheer and you'll go like because you're overloaded, you know. We got a number of stockings hung on the Uxbridge Shimoda mantle, Ben. We got uh, <laughs> we got A and B. We've also got uh, W for Wendy. Yeah. She's the producer at Uxbridge Shimoda, responsible for so much of the good work done here. Uh, we got another B, maybe lowercase B mm. for Bill Tilly. <laughs> Actually, you and Bill share a stocking. That's what you do. Yeah, yeah, we have to split everything. Uh, there's another A. Oh, shit, I'm sharing with Adam Ragusia. Yeah. So we still just have three stockings so far. <laughs> Me and Adam Ragusia share one. You and Bill Tilly share one. Wendy gets her own. There's N for Nick Dittmer, who made our show art and uh, helps us with all the stuff that goes into the store. Yeah. And uh, that's... Uh, all the all the credits we need to get through. So, with a great holiday cheer from us to you, we'll be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager where we sort of wonder if there's going to be like a mud bath sequence at all. Mm. Like, is Locks on a Troy going to show up? Like, how silly are we going to get here? Oh, okay, that's good. Because I was thinking of uh, of something worse with <laughs> Neelix and Naomi Wildman. Jesus. Yeah, I know. You can sense my confusion. Cut that out. <laughs> How about new? Make it so. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.